Good morning, Delaware. All right, so it's not a good morning. It's drizzly. It's gray. The leaves are starting to fall off the trees without even becoming orange. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to try to brighten your day a little bit, right, Nicole? And we're going to talk about the Civil War. And this, yes, we are. <laughs> yes. Does, does that brighten your day? <laughs> this is the kind of Halloween where your mom makes you wear a coat over your costume and it ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So basically, then you're just a six-year-old asking for candy. Yeah. yeah. And you say that like there's something wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't see many six-year-olds last night. I live in the city of Columbus, and yes, last night was trick-or-treat night. Mm-hmm. We had a number of teenagers, Good. not a lot of real little kids. <laughs> and then the rain came and it just stopped dead. Yeah. So it was not a, not a, not one of our better nights. So we're giving all of the candy that we had left over to my uh, my my daughter uh-huh. uh, who lives in Lewis Center. So oh, that's their, nice. their, their night is uh, Sunday, like it should be. Yeah, exactly. So. People give teenagers trick or treating a bad rap, but I'm like, you know what? No, if they want to go out and get candy and not do other things, that's fine. It's fine with me. And, the, and then the two kids who picked up the food for the food drive, yeah. they, were, they did a wonderful job. So anyway, hey, I just want to give a shout out to the friends of the library who had a great event Monday night at Ill-Mannered Brewery with the three mystery authors. We had a, a full house, a delightful time. Great questions from the audience for uh, our three authors. They sold a lot of books. They signed a lot of books. They seem to have had a good time. And I just want to say thanks again to everybody who made that possible, especially Gene Whitlinger from the Friends uh, and, of course, the Friends Board. And today is the last day for the Friends Flower Sale. So if you want to get those flowers for the holidays, you got to act today. Uh, that's DelawareLibraryFriends.org. Mm-hmm. We'll take you to the right place. Uh, or their Facebook page will also take you to where you need to go. So, all right. So our guest today is Mandy Henning, who is the branch manager at the Powell Branch Library. You heard her earlier talking about moms and, and snowsuits for, uh, for and Halloween. wooing over the Civil War. And wooing <laughs> over the Civil War, yes. Uh, we are going to be talking about that in the second half of the show because um, – Mandy is doing a program for the Powell Historical Society yeah. about this very topic. Mm-hmm. So, but let's start with so what we're reading, listening to. I know yeah. you're still working on the Audis, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes. This is a fun, fun book that I listened to this um, past week. It is called *The Parted Earth*, and it is by Anjali and Jetty, and it's narrated by Deepti Gupta, which I just love saying her name. Deepti Gupta. <laughs> Deep, Deepti Gupta. Um, it, this is not one that I would typically pick up, which is one of the reasons why I love um, just, you know, having books handed to me and saying, read this and tell us what you think. Um, this is one of those, you would describe it as like epic or generation spanning. I typically don't like those. I like to kind of have my stories with a lot of action packed over the like course of a weekend. Um, very plot driven, less mm-hmm. character driven. This is very character driven. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is an event in history that I am ashamed to say that I know very little about. This is about partition in India Ah, in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. Um, I really learned nothing about this in high school. This was a new subject to me. Um, I am not a historical savant. And so um, (laughs) this was actually a very beautiful way to be introduced to the subject. So what happens is, is we begin in August 1947 and we're in New Delhi and um, it is the birth of the Muslim majority nation of Pakistan. Um, Really what's Mm. happening in India is um, there's a group of um, political leaders who are saying that if you are a true Indian, you are Hindi. And if you are not, you are Muslim, then you need to go to Pakistan. And so they begin to um, separate the nation um, under the help of um, the Britain. And so this is basically um, really tearing families apart. Um, It is their own, 
I don't know, kind of Berlin Wall. It is their own split. It really is like there's a lot that we see that's in correlation with the rest of history that's happening in India, which is why I was so ashamed that I knew nothing about it, because there were millions of people who were separated, millions of people who um, had died because there was a lot of political unrest with a lot of this. Um, But it takes the form, the story takes the form of a love story. And it's between um, a 16-year-old Deepa and her secret boyfriend, Amir. And Deepa and Amir, of course, um, Deepa is actually, she is um, Hindi, but her family is, uh, they are doctors, and they will treat everyone. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, the people who don't, um, you know, want Hindis to treat Muslims, uh, they don't like them. And so, their family is um, a target. And uh, Deepa um, really wants to be with her boyfriend, Amir, and um, his family is getting out of Dodge. They're going to Pakistan right now. Um, And so she, it's 1947. There aren't very many ways to communicate. And they have uh, one kind of tryst before they separate. And then um, they say, we'll find you and we'll make it right. Well, they never end up finding each other. And um, Deepa is pregnant and then she has a baby. Uh-huh. And so then we flash, we flash forward and we meet um, some other characters who, um, you know, go a couple, seven decades later and half a world away, we go to Atlanta. And then we meet a young woman in Atlanta um, and her name is Sean, um, short for Shanti. And she has um, a lot of kind of questions in her history. She, her, she knew her father, her mother, um, her father was Indian, her mother was white and uh, she never really knew her grandma there was just a lot of questions in her background um sean's having her own relationship issues she um is leaving a failed marriage um she's just suffered a miscarriage and um she really just doesn't know who she is she looks indian but she doesn't feel connected to the um, indian culture Um, but she has a neighbor who helps bring that out in her and she and this older neighbor um really connect with each other and kind of start to solve some mysteries of the past. And then, of course, all of the worlds intermingle. It's just a really, really gorgeous story. Um, It's beautifully narrated and teaches a lot about um, the historical context of partition um, in just a very nice way that's not, like, slapped in your face with history and dates. Great. So So it's called again? It's called The Parted Earth by Anjali and Jetty. Great. It's a pretty cover, too. It's a gorgeous cover, yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The cover is um, origami cranes, and you would wonder why there are origami cranes on the cover of a book that takes place kind of in India, Um, but you'll learn more about that when you read the book. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Bandy, what what are you doing on uh, reading? (laughs) (laughs) I am on a full-on Civil War obsession right now. Everybody (laughs) who knows me knows, unfortunately, they've had to listen to me talk incessantly about the Civil War. I have visited battlefields. I just got Grant's signature tattooed. This is getting serious. That is serious. (laughs) So, um, no surprise, I have read, I looked it up yesterday, 3,600 pages about the Civil War this year so far. It's gotten out of control. (laughs) Um, The latest one, though, was really quick. And if you're not obsessed, I think you could listen to this and enjoy it. It was called... NPR Chronicles, The Civil War. I found it on Hoopla. Mm -hmm. So essentially what it is, it's only three hours long. It was essentially a collection of NPR stories about the Civil War. Mm. And each one is a little different slant. There was one about how crazy reenactors go or they're like... This is kind of gross. Apparently, (laughs) if you get modern buttons and you uh, put them in urine, they will... 
get the color that they would have been in the Civil War. So it's like that level uh, of like obsession. I'm not there yet, Delaware. Okay. I don't. I hope to not be. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, so it is safe to check books out from yeah, the Paul Library. Yes, we're good. Nice good. and clean. <laughs> um, but the two, uh, I cried approximately six times while I was listening uh, to it, I think. Uh, the two that got me, there was one about... NPR did a contest called, I think they called it um, Lost Sounds or Forgotten mm-hmm. Sounds. And a woman had in, oh, I forget which state she was in. Indiana, maybe. I think she was in the Midwest. But she had a record of a guy who was eight or nine and watched Lincoln give the Gettysburg Address. Wow. And they all got the day off from school. He's from Gettysburg. Wow. And this is his voice. He was uh, 70 or 80 when they recorded it. So he said, you know, like kids do, we got up on the stage and we got closer and closer and closer until he was 15 feet from Lincoln. Wow. Wow. And he was like, I don't know what he said, but I knew the next day if anybody talked trash about Lincoln, it was a it was going to be a, the next uh, battle at Gettysburg. Like, the boys were like, just, but then they ended it with, he's like, I don't have the eloquence. Nobody has the eloquence that Lincoln had. Mm-hmm. And he talks about like watching him ride. He was so tall, but his feet almost touched the ground when he was on a horse, like stuff like that. Yeah. So he talks about all these first person details. But then at the end, they switched. He started to read the Gettysburg Address, and they switched it to um, the guy who did Lincoln's voice in Ken Burns' The Civil War. Oh, okay. And I was like, <laughs> full, full crying, full, full, full crying. Um, the other one that was really good was Hal Holbrook, the actor, yes. was in a play about Civil War soldiers from Iowa. Like, oh, Iowa sent more Civil War soldiers per population, I think, than any other state, which I, I did not know. Hmm. So he's doing this play before he passed away, and they're talking about all these all these things. And he tells the story, and this is going to become a reference question for me because I don't know if this is a real letter or not. I want it to be because it's startling. I mean, that war produced a lot of, like, amazing letters. Like, somebody somebody, please Google the Sullivan Ballou letter if you want to have a good cry. That's a, that's a good crying <laughs> oh, one. Oh, yeah. But um, this one, he claimed that there was a soldier from Iowa that lost an arm and a leg in the war and wrote his fiancée and said, look, I—, I I'm going to free you from this commitment because you Mm. didn't sign up for this. And she wrote him back. uh, I hope I can directly quote this. As long as you have body enough to hold a soul, I will cling to it. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> couldn't see. I'm like sobbing in my I hope car. You were dry- okay. I was driving. <laughs> pull over. I yeah. was going to happen to me. <laughs> it's like the Civil War is my new ASPCA commercial. Like I can't. Like it always makes me cry. <laughs> so if you're looking for it, it, this one's got great music too. Um, they did this great. Um, that Hal Holbrook story had this great story about. The um the trenches were so close that the armies could hear each other singing and they both knew the song. Like oh, that that was something that absolutely wow. happened during that war. Yep. Yeah. So NPR Chronicles the Civil War, it is on Hoopla, free from the library. So um if you don't have the Hoopla app, it is definitely my favorite. I love it. Yeah. Um and it was just a nice short audio book about a variety of subjects. Great. Um, really liked it. I'm All right. it now. That sounds good. Well with three for three on history today, then, because my book is The Radium Girls, The Dark <gasps> Story of America's Shining Women I by Kate is. Moore. Yes. <laughs> The reason I picked this up was because I had seen a play called The Shining Lives, which was produced by the Red Herring Theater Company down on the south side of Columbus. One of the best theater companies in town, by the way. They're doing some of the most interesting work in theater right now. Uh, Anyway, uh, this play was inspired by this. The Radium Girls were the women who worked in two factories, um, one in New Jersey, one in um, Illinois. And their job was to paint 
the radium paint onto luminous watch dials. Mm-hmm. And to do that, they would stick a fine artist paintbrush into the radium paint, then stick it between their lips and twist it to get a fine point so they could make those tiny little marks. What they didn't know, but which other people did, including the people who ran the factories, was that radium is incredibly toxic. Mm -hmm. It had been discovered as early as 1893, I believe it was, 1898, excuse me, by the Curies. And by 1901, they discovered that radium could destroy human tissue, including tumors, but also healthy tissue. Mm -hmm. Uh, They started doing glow-in-the-dark paint in 1913. And the first company, the the one that uh, was in New Jersey, opened in 1916. And by 1922, the first radium dial painter had died. Mm. And they exhumed her later and found her body was incredibly radioactive. Yeah. Um, so as as these women got sicker and sicker in New Jersey and then in Illinois, they sued the company. And this was almost unheard of at this mm-hmm. time. There was no such thing as worker protection right. before this happened, basically. Mm-hmm. there was an, uh, Illinois had an industrial commission that was supposed to look into these things, but it was basically a tool of the manufacturers. It was a, way of, it was a big leap for them. Uh, almost nobody won with them. Uh, and so eventually the company in New Jersey settled out of court with a, a small settlement, not nothing what, like what they'd asked for, but all of them needed the money to pay for their medical expenses because, of course, there's no health insurance. There's nothing like that back then. But the women in, in Illinois ha- actually ended up winning with the Industrial Commission, but then the company kept um, – appealing the decisions over and over again mm. as these women were getting sicker and sicker yep. and some of them were dying uh, until it went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court refused to uh, review it. And uh-huh. so the decision in favor of the women stood. Dang. Basically that and things like the tri- uh, the, the Triangle Shirtwaist fi- Fire yeah. inspired the New Deal protections that came mm-hmm. in uh, and, and actually led up to things like OSHA. As late as 2019, they were still cleaning up the radium in Ottawa, Illinois. That, uh, almost 100 years later, this is how deadly this stuff was. And this book, Kate Moore does a great job of talking about how heroic these women Mm -hmm. were. To stand up and fight against an employer in their town. Um, I mean, these employers did everything to make these women look bad. They claimed that it wasn't the radium that was hurting them, that they had sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, that, that made was, them glow? That yeah. made them glow in the dark, right, yeah. Right. And, and that it wasn't you – know, it was. It had to be some other kind of disease because everybody knew radium was not was, – was perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. Except that the scientists who were working with it were working behind lead sheets. Yep. The, the, the manufacturers, the, the owners never went near the radium paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was okay to lose these women because they were, they were expendable. Mm-hmm. And that was what uh, – eventually was found and led to so much of the, the worker protection mm-hmm. that we have today. So, again, there's two versions of the Radium Girls. One is the the, the original version published in 2017. Mm-hmm. Kate Moore also wrote another version of that for younger readers, oh, great. which was published in 2020. Uh, and But they're both called the Radium Girls. You can find either one of them at the library. And I hope you'll check it out because I think it's a great story of resilience in the face of incredible odds. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we'll be back in a moment to talk with Mandy about uh, her Civil War program that's coming up for the Powell Historic. Society, so stay tuned. 
Dave, you really can't be so hypocritical. We're not going to have a great weekend, at least not outside. (laughs) Anyway, so we're back with uh, Mandy Henning, the branch manager at the Powell Branch Library. And so tell us about the program you've got planned with the Powell Historical Society. Yeah, so um, the Civil War obsession was happening. And (laughs) I already knew some of the ladies from the Powell Liberty Historical Society. They, in the pre-COVID times, did a display monthly at the Powell Library that we're planning on bringing back, by the way. So that's great. I like those. Um, So they... I don't know if they asked me or if I begged. <laughs> it, was, it was a combination of the two, I think. Uh, if I, We're doing a, a program that is virtual on Monday, uh, November 8th, called uh, the Powell and Liberty Township War Veterans. So it is Powell through all major American wars. Um, and I said, please, 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 can I do this at war? Please, please, please. <laughs> and they said, sure, question mark. Like, what's wrong with this girl? So, um, <laughs> why is she so excited about yeah. this? <laughs> so, um, we are going to be doing that virtually, and you can watch it at powellhistory.org on the 8th of November. And oh, so you um, don't even need to sign up or anything? Nope. You just go to the website yep. and, uh, and it's there? They are on a lot of the um, social media, too, especially like Facebook. Like, you can join. I would join, especially if you're in Powell, I would join their Facebook group, too, because they do, like, an interesting tidbit about Powell history, like, from time to time. He learns all kinds of things about I'm pretty new to Powell. I've only been at the branch for uh, not quite three years, so I've really learned a lot about, like, the Odd Fellows building, and, like, there's a dentist's office in Powell that's actually, like, a one-room schoolhouse. Oh, and neat. So as you're driving through, like, you can see history. There's a house that was divided into two houses on 750. <laughs> like, so now when I drive around Powell, I go, oh, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. So, uh-huh. um, and there are some very interesting stories in this presentation. Um, obviously, I do all the, the Civil War stuff. There was a family in Powell that sent eight sons to the civil war and two died and they died within less than six months of each other they Mm -hmm. were in the same battalion and it was like the kennesaw mountain like siege of atlanta sherman whole campaign which was very bloody obviously but the the end of that war was was super bloody anyway but so i uh talk about that family and i talk about a guy named william dixon who uh is a very like documented civil war veteran in powell but we did the the run through for this presentation. There are some crazy pal stories that aren't Civil War related. My, I don't want to give away the lightning one, but wa- you're going to want to watch for the lightning story. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you're going to do all the wars on November eighth, or is this yeah, a series? Yeah, it's of- like an hour oh, okay. presentation. Okay. It's from uh, seven to eight, and so we start with uh, the Revolutionary War and then go up through. I don't. I, we at least go through World War II. I don't remember if we do Vietnam or not, but yeah. Uh, so the lightning story happens to be about 1812. I'm not giving it away, though. You're going to have to watch to find out. <laughs> My oh, other favorite story, though, was there was a World War II veteran in Powell that realized it was cheaper to buy a decommissioned tank than farm equipment. So he <laughs> drove to Lima, bought a decommissioned tank, drove it home. Okay. We don't know if it was on the normal trip, if he was just eating up asphalt all the way oh, <laughs> right. But he hooked two plows to the back of that thing actually engineered a whole system where the plow would lift up and down with the tank and there are all these great pictures of him and his dog just riding around Powell in a tank. <laughs> like picture that today. You're on Liberty in a tank rolls by. <laughs> so uh, we all had a ton of fun with this with this presentation. It's not it's it's referential, but it also just has really fun tidbits about Powell. And I got to talk about the Civil War. I got a soundtrack for mine. I'm so excited. So, <laughs> so. I'm curious how did how did all of you like unearth these stories? Where did they come they, from? How did you find them? There is a magical room. At at the Martin Perry House, which is the home of the Powell Historical Society, which is 
Wonderful in and of itself. It's really a Victorian house just lovingly brought back to life. I mean, you feel like that era when you go into that house. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a magical room upstairs that's like the research room. Oh, they also have a gun that a, that a lady put in her boot in the Victorian era. <laughs> <laughs> they, one of their ladies says, don't talk about that. She's like, doesn't like talking about the gun in the boot, but I kind of <laughs> love the gun in the boot. Sorry, ladies, if you're listening. Um, but they have a huge research room upstairs where even um, we were there on Wednesday doing a run through for this presentation. And a family came from West Virginia to bring their their family history from Powell to the to the historical society and donate it. Uh-huh. So there are folders with all this family history. And like when I was doing my Civil War one, there was um, there was a, an infantry called the Groundhog Regiment that I got way into. And they had a whole book on that. And two of those sons, the two that passed away, actually, were in the, the Groundhog Regiment. I learned all about that. And like so it's just magical to be able to like I feel like every time I go there, I step back in time and mm-hmm. learn something about the history of Powell and Liberty Township and Hyatt's and and all the kind of surrounding areas. So. So uh, have you discovered yeah, the um, Delaware memory being yes. on? Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you're interested in Delaware history, Delaware, uh, the, the Digital Public Library of America, which is dp.la, that's the whole uh, URL, is available. The Delaware Memory Project is now available on that website. And if so if you put in Delaware memory, uh, sorry, Delaware County memory, you can find letters that were written uh, from Delaware County or two Delaware County residents during the Civil War as well mm-hmm. as other wars and a whole lot of other historical material like that. It's, a, it's an amazing resource. If you go to powellhistory.org, too, and um, they have a, a photo section that just has pictures of Powell going back through, like, generations, including my, my William Dixon veteran mm-hmm. that, I, that I did a lot of my presentation on. So. Well, you have a, um, re- you've had a relationship with the people at the, Powell, at the Liberty Powell Historical Society for quite some time. We even kind of tapped them whenever we were trying to think of the name for what yeah. our new branch was going to be named. They had some really unique ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them wouldn't have worked, but some of them were really cool. They, they were like, okay, here's everybody that's lived on this plot of land since, like, we know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they're just geniuses over there there's a, every time i have a question they just know <laughs> so it's it's a wonderful resource and i'm i'm thrilled to be partnering with them it's okay that's again monday november 8th yep 7, 7 to 8 p.m and i think it will live in perpetuity on the um their website or social media after mm-hmm. that so and it's powellhistory.org powellhistory.org they're also on facebook um, i don't know if they're on instagram or not but they're definitely on facebook so you can find it in either of those locations that's great well thank you yeah. that's great we got a couple of things coming up this week i want to make sure we touch base on there is another book sale coming up from the Friends of the Library that will be not tomorrow, but Saturday, November 6th. That's at Orange Branch Library from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It'll all be indoors. It will not be in the garage. It'll be in the uh, community room and in the lobby of the Orange Branch Library. So make sure you stop by there. Their Friends of the Library annual meeting is also coming up this Thursday, at also at 7 o'clock. Uh, and that'll be available uh to all members, it's on, online on Zoom. You should have gotten your invitation. If you didn't, let us know. We'll make sure you get that invitation. Mm-hmm. So what else is coming up this week? Well, on Monday, if you are a middle school student, there is that November 1st, Monday? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're a middle school student, uh, from 3.30 to 4.30, the Middle School Book Club is meeting. And this month, they're talking about the Buckeye Book Award. We had Shannon on a while back, and um, she talked about what the Buckeye Book Award is and um, how it is like nominated by students for students. And it is a voice of the people 
for the people. Um, so they're talking about that. There's still seats remaining. That is a virtual meeting, so you can um, RSVP for that if you go to DelawareLibrary.org slash events. Great. And we also have another Cutting Out Cable program on uh, Tuesday in the uh, media and the, I'm sorry, the Maker Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from 6 to 7. You can learn how to leave cable behind while still staying up to date with your favorite entertainment options. I just thought it would be great if there was like one place you could go to put all of these kind of specialized services together. And then I realized that was cable. It was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, And we can probably give a quick little tease. A week from, kind of a week and a couple days from today, um, there's going to be some construction at the front of the Delaware Main Library. Yes, there is. So you're going to enter through our meeting room. We'll might, we might look like we're closed, but we're open. Right. Yes, you'll have to come in through the meeting room because we are doing some major renovation work on the front of the library. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week before that actually, mm-hmm. uh, before the tent goes up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So again, last day to do the uh, Friends Flower Sale uh, and uh, have a great Halloween. I sh- we should say that Mandy is here in her doctor's costume. <laughs> I if had to wear a mask the, anyway, so I might as well. <laughs> if, you had to come into the, if you have to come into the library today, you're probably, or tomorrow, you may see some of our staff in costume for the holiday. So uh, enjoy your Halloween. Be safe. Have George fun. has his classic, what did, what did Mark call it? Your sophisticated Halloween my tie. sophisticated Halloween tie, <laughs> and, as and opposed to my kind of unsophisticated. I know, right? And, right. and I'm dressed as a mom, so I don't know. <laughs> I forgot about Halloween. <laughs> so we hope everybody has a great Halloween. Thank you, Gage, behind the board, as always. You great bet. work. Mandy, thanks so much for being here. Nicole, Always a pleasure. pleasure. And we will see you in the stacks.